Welcome to Season 2 of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Welcome to the Week Pastor Podcast. We are so delighted that you have joined us this day, this morning, this afternoon, or this evening. Sua, you are doing well today, it looks like. Wait, how do you know? What are what are the ways you can tell that I'm doing well? You have a real big Bible in front of you, so I got a feeling you you feel well today. You're in a good yeah, place. Yeah, doesn't everybody know that the the large the size of the Bible is how you know whether someone's truly holy or not? When you look at all those like older ladies yeah. walking into their Bible, like into church, they're always carrying the most ginormous Bibles. Like those, yeah. and they, some people even have custom bags for their Bibles. Yes. Have you ever seen those? Those like leather of course I've seen it. bags yeah. just to hold their ginormous King James Bible. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Some somehow that that seems very pharisaical to me. <laughs> that Wait, the Bible that I'm judging the them, or the that Bible. they carry the big Bibles. No, that you that you actually believe in that. That you think that. Okay, obviously it's a joke, but I think I know, the reason know, why they're so big is because your eyesight starts failing as you get older, and then you become like nearsighted. <laughs> is it, or is it farsighted? And so you can't read like the little text. Yeah, so that the well, Bibles just keep getting bigger and bigger because the words have to get bigger and bigger. Well, that's going to be me pretty soon because it is getting a lot harder to read now because I'm starting to struggle to to see words. Wait, just um, now? Close. I thought it's supposed to start at like yeah. forty. No, 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 no. I mean, so I would say over the past, like it's been it's been a slow, gradual progression over the last three years. But now, when I when I put on my contacts and I try to read stuff, I mean, it's it's almost impossible. I have to. It's better to just wear glasses and just kind of take the glasses off and look at it. Uh, look at look look down on the page because uh, then I can see it much better. So, yeah, I'm there. My Jenny is so there. So, Wait, so do you uh, have? Does she uh, have readers? Like, do you guys have to have readers? She doesn't have readers yet, and we're planning to go to Korea in the in the fall, and we're planning to get bifocals there. So, Man. it's gonna be yeah. It's you're it's, gonna it's, have those glasses that have real. to have those little like magnifying areas in the bottom. You know, you know those like double yeah, glasses. Yeah, yeah, but not. But now they make them where, you know, in the past it used to be like a little, like you could see like a line. line. Yeah. Yeah. So, but know, they don't have it anymore. Off. You won't even know. Oh, you, won't, really? you can't even tell anymore. Yeah. You can't even tell oh. anymore, but they're bifocals. Yeah. So I'm going to need really? bifocals. So technology. Yeah. So I'm getting older. So yeah, my Bible is going to have to get bigger with larger print if I'm going to be able to read it. So yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you've, you know what I'm talking about. Like they have specific Bibles. No, I do know what you're talking about. Enormous. I do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. It's like yes, you yes. go back to being a kid. You yeah. know how like those kids have those like big puzzle books. Yeah. With, like the big lettering, and then as you get older, you just go back to the same kind of book. Nice. Well, so listen, we got to get started. But I have, I have, uh, I have, I have a question. I have questions I want to ask today before we questions. get started on our topic. Questions. All right, because we launched emotionally healthy spirituality um, a few Sundays ago at Metro, and so I'm in this again mode. Yeah. 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 So Pastor. Sure Early and I are teaching it, and it's been really good. Uh, but uh, the, the the four questions, because I wanna, I want our audience to get to know, like not just get to know us, but I want them to get to know how we're feeling today. All right. So the four questions I have for you is this: What are you mad about right now? What are you sad about? What are you anxious about? And what are you glad about? Those are the four questions I want to ask, right? What are you How mad in the world about? Do you answer all of those? No, you can answer it. You don't have to be long, but are, is there anything that you're mad about today? Is there anything that you're sad about? Is there anything that you're anxious about? 
And then what are you glad about? All right. That should, the glad should be pretty easy for you. Right. But I know the mad, sad, anxious might be more difficult for you, why but that's is, important. Why is the glad easy for me? Because you seem like a very happy, <laughs> go lucky kind of person on the regular, you know? So that's why I, I think mean, the glad. That's not wrong, but I also don't know yes. if like there's reasons usually why I'm this way. I think yeah. I'm just this way. Well, yeah, but that, that might be easier. But at, at the same time, God affords us all the emotion, the emotional faculties to our humanity that, that we are able to feel as a human. So we should know some things about being mad, being sad, being anxious, and being glad. Like we should be able to, you know, that's kind of like discovering what is beneath the surface or like what what is our soul kind of going through at this moment. So what are you mad about? What are you sad about? What are you anxious about? And what are you glad about all right what are you mad sad anxious and glad all are right? you gonna go so, yeah yeah of course i'm gonna go first all right so um i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna be honest mad is a little bit i'm struggling a little bit with the mad but i'm gonna start with the sad all right let me start with the sad here's the thing that i'm sad about these days i am sad that um this week and if i'm just gonna confess openly on air uh, this week was a hard week for me. I've been so I before we went on the podcast today, I told Sua that I'm just like so tired. It's been it's been a lot uh, on my plate these days, not necessarily with ministry per se, but just a lot. Like I graduated, partied uh, through that um, my son's baseball. Um, I also um, uh, had to move both my girls out of one out of her apartment. Uh, and then the other out of her dorm. And so we went on a Monday night. So we went on a Monday night and after my son's baseball game to move them out. And I didn't get home till like 1130 at night. So Which here's like what 3 I am for you. Uh, yeah, you might as well kill me at that point. And I'm, I'm and 11, 11, 11 o'clock at night. I am carrying a couch, right? Yeah, Loading rough. it into a van. That's rough. And it's just like, kill me now. Right. Wait, so where did all like the stuff go? We it's in my basement and oh. it's in my garage. Oh. Yeah, that's kind of where it's at. And so we're just like, oh my goodness. And like my daughter Christina just graduated. So it's like all of her stuff from apartment yeah. had to come here. And I was like, oh man, this is a lot of stuff. Anyway, so uh, you know, so I oh, I guess that was one thing that was I was really mad about this week. Like I was just so mad. I was like, this stinks. Like, I gotta do this at night. But anyway, but what I'm sad about was is that I let like my frustrations like the 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 moment of me not liking me wanting to be there kind of get to me and so i'm sad about like how i felt the anger uh, that i felt that i had to do this this late at night um like the inefficiency at times that i saw you know because none of us ate dinner and we were doing this and i'm just like well somebody's got to be thinking about like what are we going to eat now because we're all starving to death and so like I'm like I'm I'm um moving couches and stuff like that. And then at the same time I'm thinking like okay, where are we gonna order for dinner, you know, and stuff like that. So we can at least eat something. And so like I had to like kind of figure that stuff out. So when I get to that place, like I start to get really frustrated and mad. And I don't necessarily like lash out, you know, like I'm not like ah going crazy, but I feel like these I feel like the anger, like it's almost like borderline rage. Like I feel it, like I sense it. And what I'm sad about is that I actually like like I felt that, you know, and it was really not, there was nothing like wrong or bad that happened. It was just, I'm, I'm tired. I'm a bit, I'm exhausted. I don't want to do this, but yet I'm doing it. And like, I start, I start to get real sad that I can't believe I'm feeling this way. And that's like more of like, you know, not as I'm experiencing a day of, it's more like the day after, like when I settle down 
And I got up and, you know, of course I get up early and stuff. And then I'm just like, I'm so exhausted. But then I start to like process my emotions. I'm like, I'm just so sad that I feel that sometimes. And then mm -hmm. I can actually feel that kind of rage. And what it brings me back to is that it always brings me back to like, the when I think about rage, I always think about my father when he was rageful. Mm -hmm. And when he was rageful, he was very violent, physically violent, like towards us. So like, that's kind of like what I feel. Now, I don't ever get there. Like, I don't ever feel that. But when I feel rage, like, I guess that's the thing that makes me sad because I'm like, oh my goodness, like how, like, like if I'm not careful and I just like blow up, who knows, you know, kind of a thing. So that makes me sad. That really makes me sad uh, just to kind of go there. And I, and I felt bad and nobody like deserved my sort of my anger. Like Jenny called me a, the B word, you know, and stuff like that. It's the B word. <laughs> the B word. Come on. The B word. Wait, like the female dog? Yes, she, yes. <laughs> she says, stop being the bee. <laughs> and you know I how you love she, Jenny. Like, she has, oh my God, that's so funny. She has a way of pushing oh my, my God, buttons. Like she knew not to share that with me that day, but the next day she's like, you, you got to stop being a bee. So and I was like, funny. oh yeah, I was like, you're right. So anyway, so yeah, so I had to stop being a bee. Uh, so that was one that was sad. What am I anxious about? Here's what I'm anxious about. A couple of things I'm anxious about today. And I hope my kids don't listen to this. A couple of things I'm anxious about. All right. So I got a lot of things I'm anxious about right now. That's why I'm preaching a sermon on, on like worry. Right. So I think it kind of like, it kind of, it helped me kind of process this. The first thing is this: I'm anxious about my daughter just graduated college and she is not working. She has no job. She's trying to find a job. She doesn't have a job right now. It's a tough market for people to find full-time mm -hmm. work. And I'm a little anxious and thinking, what happens if this girl doesn't find a job? Like, I know like what she wants to do is very specific. I'm like, that's cool. But at the same time, I'm like, honey, just get a job. Like, just get a job. Yeah. Get a job that's going to pay you. You know, like, I don't, I know you want, you have sort of this idea of what you would like to do in a perfect world. That's fantastic. Right. But I don't want you to sort of like embrace the safety of this house that you can just lay low and work for Angie and make some money on the side, which is great, you know, because she loves working with Angie, you know, stuff like that. But I want you to start getting your life together and I want you to start figuring this stuff out. So that's the first thing I'm a little bit anxious of. And then it's my daughter, Kayla. She's at least Christina is like, like, like type A. So she's going for it. She's looking for it. But Kayla is like in the summertime, she, she needs to work. She needs to make some money. And I'm like, what are you gonna do in the summer? She's like, I don't know. She's like so lax. I'm like, girl, I'm like, <laughs> You need to work. I, I told her, I was like, if you don't like find a job, I'm going to find one for you. I'm going to, I'm going to get you a job working at a restaurant. You're going to wait tables or be like, you know, a bus girl or something like that. I was like, you, you got to do something. I was like, you have to do something. She's so lax about it. I don't know. I want to work. I got to figure it out. I'm not sure. And I'm like, Kayla, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> and so anyway, so like, that's like another thing. I'm like, she better work. She better make some money, you know, that kind of stuff. So anyway, so that's, that's one part of the uh, anxiousness. The other thing that I'm a little anxious about is like um, my son uh, with his, with his baseball. This has not been a, a great year for him in baseball. Uh, he had a lot of hopes and dreams of what he would do this year offensively. And it just hasn't come together. It's been a bad season for him. He's not hitting the way mm, he thought he would rough. hit. He's hit. The, the thing about it is that he's hitting the ball real nice. Like he's hitting it really hard, but a lot of times it's right at the outfielders and stuff like that. So that's part of it. But like, it's, you know, it doesn't compute in, term, in terms of numbers and stuff like that. And so I'm anxious, not necessarily like, you know, is he going to get to play in college? Because I know he'll play in some form of college ball, but I'm just a little anxious. Like, will he just lose motivation to like keep going and keep moving and putting it forward? A little anxious about that. So those are some of the things that I'm anxious about. 
Um, so that's that's that. So glad. Here's the thing that I'm super glad about. I am so glad that Steve Bang is the executive pastor of Metro Community Church. Shout I'm out so to glad Steve. about that. We love because Steve. life has been so grand. Um, it has been great. I don't have to worry about things that I used to always worry about. Um, he is more worried about it than I am. And so like, he's really taking his leadership strong. So like life at Metro has been just fantastic since he's taking leadership in that role. So that's been really cool. So I'm glad about that. And the last thing I'm glad about that I'm done with school. Like I'm so oh, yeah, glad that I'm done with joy. school. Oh my gosh. I am so glad. I'm so, so glad. glad you took that poop metaphorical poop. Yes. Yes, exactly. So I feel nice very good. All right. Feeling yeah. Good. So I think the thing that I'm mad about, I hear here's something, and I'm not trying to like make something up. I'm just trying to be honest about it. I think I'm a little mad at myself, if I can just be honest, that I have allowed myself to get to a certain place. Um, so let me just explain. Like because I had to write my dissertation and stuff like that, I haven't really had a day of Sabbath, like mm. real Sabbath rest, um, in a while. Like, like I can remember. Uh, because every Monday I would be rewriting my dissertation and things like that. And then these days on Mondays, it's been pretty busy. Like not, not, I'm not doing church work, which is good, but I'm doing other type of stuff. I'm getting together with some pastors. Like this past weekend, I went away to the Poconos on a Sunday and I, and I was so exhausted, you know, because uh, graduation, graduation parties and stuff like that we had. And then Sunday after church, after EHS, I had a quick dinner and then I got my car and I drove up to the Poconos to get together with some pastors. And we spent the night there and then all the way to Monday. Now, that should be like good restful. You know, and it was. It wasn't bad, but it's not like what I would consider rest, like my version of what rest would be. So that's why Monday, all the more, I was more exhausted. Like I was, you know, hanging out with the pastors. It was good, but it was a long day. We did a whole day of activities. And then I get back, watch my son's game. And then we head over to Rutgers at night to move. And I'm just exhausted, you know? So anyway, I guess I'm mad about like, I, I, I am not really like setting healthy limits and boundaries and I've sort of let it get away. I've, I've allowed it to, I've, I've allowed myself to sort of get away with it for like months upon months now. And so like, I, I'm mad about that and I'm hoping that, you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to change. So like this Monday, like I just said, that's it. I am going to do absolutely nothing. I'm going to do what Peter on wants. I might go to the movies and treat myself to Guardian of the Galaxies. I might do that. So I'm just like, Does I'm going to do reviews? stuff that I think is fun. Very good reviews. It's I heard the last very one, reviews. right? It's the last one. I heard yeah. it's, it's sad. This one is sad. Oh, really? This one's actually sad. Yeah. So I'm assuming people die. People die in this one. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, so I'm a little mad that I've allowed myself to kind of get that far out and uh, and not had healthy boundaries. And, you know, just kind of doing EHS again, I'm just kind of reminded of a lot of stuff. And I, I realized that, yeah, there is this, like sometimes I put an expectation of myself and I let that expectation or expectation that people have of me and I and I compromise that. And I think, you know, it's it's a, a compromise. I know that would last for a short while. Like I had to write my dissertation, how to get it done and stuff like that. And, you know, but it was work. You know, it was never like a day of rest. I was working so hard. I was mentally drained from it. So anyway, that's what I'm mad about. And I really wish I could have like, you know, had better limits, but it's going to change. I'm going to have more limits now. So it's going to be good. So that's what I'm mad, sad, anxious and glad about. How about you? I'm going to roll all of mine into one because I what? think it, it, that's it, impossible. It, no, I, no, it is. Watch. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this is, I'm, gonna ch I'm up for the challenge. No, all because right. I have, I mean, I have a lot of different things I could talk about, but I feel like for the sake of also making it kind of 
consistent and also within the time parameters. I f- okay, so one thing I think about me, and you kind of probably know this about me from working with me and knowing me for a long time is I'm not really an anxious person. Like I don't worry about things beyond my control most of the time. Like there's, you know, I know people like even like John, I think worries a lot more than me. Like he has, he's more anxious in general. So he'll think about all these various scenarios that could happen. And then like these things give him anxiety. And I'm always like, but Mm. why are you already in day three? We're only on day zero right now. Like I just, my brain just doesn't work that way. Like I've not thought things through that far out. Like, I'm like, we'll figure it out when we get there. Yeah. That's kind of like my mentality. Right, right. But something that really challenges me in that is having children, because I think life is interesting in that, you know, you get to a place in your life where you feel like you've kind of learned how to manage your own fears and anxieties. Like you kind of are on not autopilot, but you kind of have figured out a system that works for you where you feel like you're in a secure place. And then you're stupid and decide to have children. And then like it all Mm. starts over, but in like a whole different version, because now it's not Mm. even your own problems that you can fix. It's like somebody else's problems. And there's whether they're, you know, six months old or, you know, 16 years old, like there's always going to be some level of healthy parameters and boundaries you got to set, like things that you can't really do for them, but you desperately want to and things that you can't control for them, but you desperately wish you could. Like this is kind of Mm. parent, um, place that I think we live in for the rest of our lives as long as we're parents pretty much right because it just becomes mm. a, a a evolving um kind of you're you're constantly trying to learn how to have healthy boundaries um but at the same time be a good parent and do the things that you kind of can do for them that are okay mm-hmm. this all sounds very mm-hmm. abstract but so basically I'll give you one example like th- um, this week was interesting because you know everybody you guys know like I live in Ohio there's not a lot of East Asians here actually you know what there's actually a healthy dose of like Indian Asians but there's just not okay. a lot of like East Asians and even the world right. Asian I think it you know it it presents differently I want to say um, and so you know Lila my older daughter who you know is in fourth grade and she's one of the I think she's one of the few East Asian kids in her school. Like, I think there's been years where she's been the only one in her class. And there's been years where she was like one of two, you know, but I don't think there's ever been more than like two in one class of 23. And so this past week, um, it was interesting because one of the, so I'm, I'm mad about this and I'm sad about this. I'm mad because a kid apparently called her a ching chong. (laughs) Um, wow. And then another kid, I don't know what where this word came from. I'm mad because she had to hear it. I'm glad because she had no idea what it was. And so she had to actually yeah. ask her teacher, like, what is a ching chong? And the teacher had to be like, mm. Wait, what? Like, give me the name of the kid who said this. Like, we need to like nip it in the butt. But then another kid apparently told her, your dad is a ching chong and your mom is ugly. So I'm a little sad that a kid called <laughs> me ugly. <laughs> <laughs> and then Lila I was, was trying like, to humble you, Sua. <laughs> Lila was like, "Don't worry, though. He's never seen you, so he doesn't know what you look like." And Yo. I was like you know, I'm chaperoning a field trip in a few weeks. I'm gonna go up to this kid and be like, "Hey, did you call me ugly? Well, your mama's ugly." Well, anyways, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. Sua, Sua, do um, it, do it. That would be so great. No, but I was a little bit upset that not so much that like the kid called me ugly and called my husband a ching chong because like we can handle these things. Like I grew up hearing a lot worse yeah. than that. But I oh, just yeah. don't. Oh, yeah like that my children also have to relive a different version but still like they have to be yeah. in an environment where yeah. they have to hear these things and i feel like it puts them in a vulnerable place now um the school was excellent about it like they took it very seriously and they were like we're going to escalate this like they addressed it with the student they addressed it with the families 
all the stuff. Um, so, you know, like I think with parenting, it's just parenting is anxiety. A big part of parenting is just anxiety, even with, um, recently, you know, like the shooting that happened in Texas. And I was looking at that GoFundMe yeah. for that Korean family. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like, this is the kind of stuff, like you just don't know where your kids are. And I wish I could just keep them at home all the time and homeschool them or something like that, because the anxiety, whenever I read these things, mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to say I'm diminishing the way I feel compassion for this family, because, oh my gosh, I cry. Like I cried so much. I felt so sad for this family. But then the yeah. second layer of that is, holy crap, could this happen to my kids? Like, is, could this, and the answer is yes. I mean, it could, Absolutely. right? It's not, yeah. no, there's no guarantee it won't. So I think with parenting just comes a lot of anxiety. Now, here's the part that I felt very glad about. So when Lila, we were walking off the bus, she got off the bus and she was telling me about this kid who called her, um, said she, her dad's a ching chong and your, your mom is ugly. And I got so mad that I was like, well, I hope you told him his mama's ugly. I hope you told him his dad is whatever. And then she looks at me. She, she just stopped. Like we were walking in, into our home from the bus. She looks at me and she goes, well, I can't say that. And I said, why not? You have to say, you got to stick up for yourself. Why not? And she was dead serious. She looked at me and she said, cause I'm holy. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, she's a mini Sua. My gosh. <laughs> she's a mini Sua. Oh no. <laughs> but she said it with zero irony. Like she was dead serious she's like <laughs> i can't say that stuff and you know what i think it wouldn't have oh, been Lila, as you are precious it wouldn't have been as shocking to me if she said something like oh because like i don't want to stoop to his level or like i don't yeah, want to yeah, you know yeah. i don't want to get in trouble but the fact that yeah. she chose the word holy really t like kind of made me yeah take a step back right because i was like who taught you that because i don't think i taught her that um, because here I am yelling at her, telling her she needs to stick up for herself and tell him that is, you know, it's even funnier. This, another kid had said, actually, Steve had been on the phone when this kid called me ugly and Steve told her, Steve Bang, who executive pastor, you just mentioned yeah. who was on our podcast. He told Lila to go tell him that his mama's dirty. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, so I just thought oh, that man. was, and you know what? The reason why that made me glad is not so much that my daughter is becoming a Pharisee just like me. Um, but you know <laughs> what it was? Is like, she's developing her own sense of who she is in the faith. Because yeah. I'm telling you, yeah. that is not something I told her. Like, like I said, yeah. I was like, go yell at him. Um, yeah. But something about seeing that she's becoming a separate person from me and her faith. Clearly she's having some kind of fellowship with God in her own version where she was able yes, to create right. this that's response right. where she's like, well, I'm not going to do right. that because I am holy. And that actually wow. gave me such a Lila, freedom in that moment girl. because I was like, I have so much anxiety about parenting. I have so much anxiety because I am the primary parent. Like, of course, John is also a parent. I'm not a single mom, but the primary parent is me the more more of the responsibility of formation falls on me because i spend a significantly more amount of time with the kids than john does and so there's yeah. always this sense of burden for me like what if i screw up like what if i teach them something mm. and it completely makes them go the wrong way like it's all on me but i think thinking through that moment it made me realize like at the end of the day their faith is se separate from mine and of course it's my responsibility to model um Christ as much as I can but at the end of the day like it's between them and God and yeah, that's yeah. kind of the focus here right 
man, yeah. like that really freed me from the anxiety of parenting and just like making me feel like I need to do it like 100% correctly. Are you laughing at her because it's just so ridiculous? No, 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 like, no. She's just... 10. She's 10. No, you, know, you know what? You know what you should have taught her? This is what I'm thinking is funny. Oh God, you should have not taught her to say your mom is dirty. She should just be like my mom. You should just say next time she could say my mom is beautiful. She's gorgeous. That's it. Stop no, lying. No, I mean, I think she did say that. Oh, okay, she said, okay, she, well, okay. she did. So the funny thing is when that, when that kid said that to her, she said she went into bull mode, quote unquote. That's what she said. <laughs> she said, do you know what that is? I'm like, no. She goes, well, think about it. Like I went into bull mode. Like mm. but her bull mode was that she couldn't even attack his mom because she's holy. So I don't even know what, yeah, 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 you know, but yeah, she was yeah. like, nobody calls my mom ugly. It's like, my mom is so pretty. That's right. That's right. But I was like, it's that thing that remember when I asked my, my when a couple episodes ago, when I asked Jenny, I was like, what, what? I was like, you're one of the most emotional the people I know. She's like, no, I'm not. I'm like, what would happen if somebody told you that you were ugly? She goes, I wouldn't believe them because I know they're lying. <laughs> that's what I'm kind of like thinking. Like, that's that's why I'm smiling so much because like, no, you know, but she could um, just be like, about it. yeah. I just, also, something also that's to good. note is um, your mama jokes. I guess never get old. Like, I mean, Joe oh, Mama jokes, jokes are just they're the best jokes forever. Oh man, yes. <laughs> you know, like... Do you know a good mama joke? No. No. Okay. Are you gonna give us a Joe That's, Mama joke? Uh, no, I, the ones I know are kind of real, like like dirty and. I mean, most of them are. Most of them are, right? Yeah. 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 But yeah, there you go. So, I'm mad and sad that somebody called me ugly and called my husband a ching chong. But you know what? I'm <laughs> I'm glad that. Lila no, is... you're not. You're not mad. You're not sad about that. I mean, because you're like Jenny. You know, you're not. So it's okay. The kid's just lying. Well, so I'm, he doesn't. I'm not sad for me. Okay, I'm just yeah. sad that you know. I'm just sad that. My children, like yeah. we did, have to go and grow up in a world outside from me where they have to learn in, their in own coping mechanisms and grow their yep. own grit and their own thick yep. skin. And on the one hand, I obviously know they need to. And I think they need it. Um, yep. I read so many books at this point about, I'm sorry, Gen Z, but I read so many books talking about how the Gen Z parents really messed Gen yeah. Z up by protecting them from basically everything. Yep. And so I am now really in, um, intentionally trying to make sure that before I intervene in any of the problems my children have, I always think, is this something that they can attempt to solve on their own? Um, right, and if the answer right. is yes, I will let them try to figure out on their own before I intervene because they mm -hmm. need to. But I think there's something really sad and anxiety inducing about knowing that they have to and letting them do it because mm -hmm. you know in the process they're going to get hurt. And even though you know yeah. the hurt is good for them in the end, you yeah, don't yeah. like in the moment seeing your kids get hurt. Right, right. You know? So, right. parenting, man. Well, that really segues really well into our topic today because we want yeah, to talk about- Yeah, that's why I said it. That's why I said it. Yeah, that's why, you know, it's it's this topic that we want to talk about today because I, I think there's a struggle for so many Christians. How can we live in this world but not be of the world, right? I mean, we, we you've heard that, that phrase a lot, be in the world but don't be of the world. And that's difficult. That can be a real challenge for Christians. And so I think we want to just kind of talk about that a little bit. And maybe, Sue, like, love to just kind of like glean on you a little bit because you're not necessarily a pastor. You don't do that for a vocation. 
So, you know, like my world is my faith and it's, you mm-hmm. know, kind of being in that place of, you know, teaching people and stuff like that. But I'd love to kind of like get your thoughts, you know, because we saw your daughter do that. She is in the world, but she's not of it because you're trying to encourage her to be of the world. You're saying, hey, go make fun of him back. Go say this yes. about his mama, you know, stuff like that. Like, let's participate in what the world will do. But she says she won't do it because she's holy. And that's part of her saying, you know what? I'm in the world, but I'm not going to be of the world, mom. Right. So like kind of like in your own life and as you've been living it up up until this point like because i feel like you definitely are in this world but you're not of it but like you do it in a real good way there's a real nice balance i think to you but like what do you think has really helped you have you ever had a moment when you struggled to when you struggle with this idea of being of the world or has it always just kind of been like no no no, i'm here i'm in it but i'm no matter what i know i'm a follower of jesus and that's it like like kind of like where have you been on the spectrum and maybe just share with us like if you can like what has really maybe helped you uh, over the years to really be in this world, but not be of it. So I know it's a long, it's like a series of questions, but if so you just kind of questions. Share, I would love to, so I would love questions. for you to share it our, to, with our audience, kind of like, how do we do this? How do we be in this world and be of this world? I have some thoughts, but I want to just wait later on to share that, but I'd love to kind of get your thoughts on it. So, I mean, I don't even know where to start with that series of questions. I'll just tell right. you a little bit yes, and then maybe it. you can, we can go back and forth. Yes, 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 um, yes, yes. And I will start off by saying that there's no formula for me because I keep going. It's been changing a lot. Like it's like a pendulum. Yeah. Like he, I keep swinging back and forth, or I should say I've swung one way and then I swung the other way. And now I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, and okay. so, you know, I grew up pretty conservative Christian. I went to church. Church was mostly my social life. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because a lot of um, kids who grew up in my generation who are minorities, like when you talk to them and they'll say things like, Oh, like I always felt like I didn't belong at school because, you know, of my eyes that look different or like my skin time, whatever. Mm-hmm. I never felt this way because most of how I identified was my church youth group. Like that was mostly mm. my friends and who I hung out with on the weekends. And they were all Korean. Yeah, but it's not fair. You have you have a normal size eyes. <laughs> you have the eyes. I don't of a, think of a, so of anyone's sitting there right? with so... a ruler like measuring my eyes. No, I think, I'm just saying, I think have, if you're you a minority, like really nice size eyes. Okay, yeah, but like if you're yeah, an, if Western you're a minority, eyes. you're a minority. Like I'm not blonde, <laughs> okay. blue eyed. You know what I mean? Like I'm not <laughs> Aryan nation over here. Like if you're a Korean, you're obviously still different. You know, I'm not Sunny <laughs> Tuscalo over here. Like <laughs> yo, yo, my girl Sunny, where you at? <laughs> where my girl Sunny at? Email me, PeterWeekPasses.org. <laughs> you're so bad. Jenny is listening. So no, anyway, I, who cares? But I just I would love to reconnect and see what's up with her. But Why? Anyway, yeah. Why do you want to reconnect? I don't know. Let she the just past be past. Okay? okay. Let the past be past. All right. Yes. Yeah. I can't let it be die. The world. Let it I, die. I, I can be in the world, but I can't be in the world. I don't know. 1984. I don't know when that was. Okay. So anyways. um, So yeah, I was, I was like uber Christian. Like I was uber Wait, Christian. Wait, more Christian than you are now? Like okay, fine. Uber, Christian like, is not the now. right. Christian is not the right word. Okay. Obviously, I was Christian that I'm. Christian Were you like now, uber fundamentalist? A little bit. So like a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Um, so like you know, um, I would be the one who's like writing my government papers about like how like you know like basically just you take like the 1998 Republican Party's like agenda, and that was basically my government papers. Um, you know like. I did all of them. Like, you know, I used to go to like early morning church service and then on my yearbook, like my, everyone else's quotes were like funny quotes from like movies and books and stuff. Mine was like oh Hebrews 11.1. Oh <laughs> like, you know, like God. it was like uber 
uber Christian. Oh my lord. You know, like, what are you doing That's this weekend? Awesome. Oh, I'm going to youth group. I'm going to church. Yeah, I'm going yeah, to praise yeah. band. I'm the president of the youth group. Did you know that? Like, just one of those. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, wait, I had wait, so zero. You, wait, you used, to be on, you used to be on the praise band? Yeah, we had like, our, our entire youth group was like 23 people. We had to do everything. Everyone had to be everything. Like, everyone so had to play, be something. Did you sing? Did you I, sang. Did you sing? I sang. I okay. sang. But everyone had to be something. However, I was president gotcha. of my youth group. Um, nice. Not surprising, Why right? Why am I not surprised? 23 people. But anyway, but you know what? The what, There's a lot of cringe moments when yes. I think about that like phase of my life. But I will say the one okay. thing that I wish had not watered down since then is this like unapologetic presentation of the fact that I am Christian. Like I did not hesitate mm-hmm. for a second to be like, right. this is who I am. This is who I worship, and that's it. Um, I had yeah, no shame. Yeah. I had no shame about being a Christian. Mm. And then oh, I went great. to college, and it wasn't bad because, again, like it was New York City. It was a little different, but I still associated heavily in my campus Christian fellowship. And so, yes. mo- you know, it was still that bubble, right? It really didn't change until I went to graduate school. And I went to graduate school for social work, which is a very progressive liberal place. And yes. um, I, that's when I really started feeling like a hesitation when people ask me like what I did on the weekends. Like I didn't want to tell them I went to church or if people say like, mm. are you mm. like, I didn't want to talk about being Christian unless like someone straight up asked me, I would never yeah. bring it up because the environment I felt like, I don't want to say it was hostile, but it was a little bit hostile to like establish religion, like organized religion, especially Christianity, because, you know, 30% of the faculty was like LGBTQ. Um, It was around the time of like Westboro Baptist and all of these things happening. And there were multiple encounters when I said I was Christian that people would be like, so do you hate LGBTQ? Like, do you not Mm, care for mm, blah, blah, blah? mm. And it made me feel very, oh man, I don't want to bring this up. Like, I don't want, I don't want to be associated Mm. with these things. And so I swung completely the other way where I was still going to church. I was still listening to Tim Keller. I was still yeah. doing all these things, but I never talked about being Christian ever unless somebody actually asked me, right? Be- okay. I was so ashamed. Like there was like a sense of shame for me about being mm. Christian. And even though mm. I didn't ever turn away from my faith, it became a very private thing that was just gotcha. for me. And I didn't want anyone else to know, right? Yeah, yeah. So now I think after that, and, you know, that's why I will say that lasted a while, even until you asked me to work for Metro. And one of my hesitations was like, holy crap, if people ask me what I do. I'm going to have to be like, I work for church. Like, there's no I mean, there is literally no hiding that I'm Christian yeah, yeah, then, yeah. because yeah, one, as yeah. you know, if you meet somebody in a social setting, one of the most common introductory questions is like, what do you do? What do, you do? Yeah. What do you do? And like, what <clears> am I going to say? Like, oh, I work for a nonprofit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no... <laughs> There's no way to like spin that. Um, And you know what? I'm not going to lie. That was a bit of an adjustment for me because then it Mm. automatically opens the door for people to be like, oh, so you're a Christian, like you go to church. And I was, it was really hard for me because I already swung so hard the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Now I think I'm in a place where unfortunately I have lost some of that unapologeticness when it comes to being like mm. I'm Christian, because I think unfortunately now I've become so aware of the nuances of somebody saying I'm a Christian person who goes yeah. to church every Sunday. But at the same time, I am not ashamed to talk about being a Christian. I will, I actually now see it as 
like a really great opportunity to talk about who Jesus is and showing his love for others. And so mm. I'm in that like middle space now. I'm not sure how this will evolve, but that's kind of how I've swung back and gotcha. forth and ended up here. Do you think like, say, say you like, I, th I think the shift happened to you. Like, like, so like when you grew up, you were kind of in like a, a semi, you were like in this little cocoon, you know, cause your whole world was like based around church. Your social life was based upon church, uh, even college that kind of happened. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was, it was easy for you to just kind of stay where you're at. But then once you go to grad school, like you said, you're in a whole environment where they're a little hostile towards Christianity. And so now that there's this desire to want to feel accepted, right. And just be accepted that, you know, you decided to kind of, you know, kind of be more quiet about your faith. You said you, in your words, you said you, you felt a little bit of shame. I did as yeah. well, and you made it more private, you know, and stuff like that. So, do you think that maybe the reason why it's kind of like balanced out now is because you know you you have you know you you go to church, you do your Bible studies and stuff, you're in your house, but like, do you think if you maybe like say you you got a job or you volunteer like at you know PTA and you were like the president of PTA or something like that? And you constantly have to surround yourself with people who are hostile towards Christianity or they, you know, these non-believers. Do you think that maybe you might swing back to like the days where you kind of like were very private about your faith? Like, do you think maybe it, 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 it the reason why that happened to you is based upon your circumstances? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that it's yeah. a negative. I mean, I will say something. I don't I don't know. It's one of those things yeah. that I'm not sure. Because I've never okay. been in the, uh, the circumstances are the circumstances. I've never had a different yeah. kind of circumstance. So I can't, yeah. Yeah. I wish I could say, no, I would never swing back that way. Um, hundred percent certainty. I would never swing back that way. Right. I, I don't think I would, but I can't say with a hundred percent certainty because I also know that I'm an impressionable person. And you know what? I talked to, you know, Kate Ma, who's one of your Kate Huang, Ma, yeah. Kate Ma Huang, who's yeah. one of the yeah. congregation members at Metro. She came to visit yeah. a couple of weeks ago and I was telling, we were talking about how she did. Oh, she, she was visiting. Well, what, she was visiting her brother. Her brother oh, is a pastor nice. at my nice. church, actually. Um, oh, nice, and so nice, nice. we were talking about how naive we are when it comes to not understanding how we are so deeply formed by our surroundings and our environment. Mm. Like we think that if we just have Jesus, it doesn't matter where we live, who we hang out with, what we dabble in, because at our hearts, we have Jesus. But man, like we are being spiritually formed all the time by the things that yeah. we witness, by the things that we hear, by the people that we interact with. And so it would be very naive of me, I think, to say that if I were thrown back into the circumstances, that would be exactly the way I am now. And you know what? It yeah. is interesting because after New Jersey, I moved to Charlotte for a year, which is like part of the Bible Belt. Oh, and then yeah. here, right? Which is still the Midwest. So it's not the Bible Belt, yeah. but it's, I have encountered more people who say they go to church on Sunday than who do not, which is mm, actually a very interesting. different experience than New Jersey. And this is actually, yes. um, I'm not here to say these people, like there are more Christians, like real authentic Christians here than not. But for as a fact, there are more church goers. Like there's more regular yeah. church yeah. attenders yeah. here. Yeah. So you're right. Like it is definitely less of a quote unquote hostile environment. But I think now, in terms of my own internal evolution in this area, I think I've come to see um, that I've, I've come to place less value, I think, on how others perceive me. And gotcha. that's partly, yep, yep. I think, a spiritual thing, partly also an age thing. I think even hmm. like secular people, as they get older, just care yeah. less and less about how others view them. That doesn't dictate as much or have as much power in the way we choose yeah. to do the things that we do. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah. you know, 
in reading the Bible, you see the world was never for Jesus. Like, you know, like he they crucified him. Like, it, right. and I think it makes you realize like it, the world is not supposed to be for me. The world is not supposed to be a place necessarily that is like welcoming everything about, you know, me being a Christian. And I think when you kind of understand that there's always going to be this tension, you kind of don't, uh, you're not afraid anymore of the tension. Mm. Like you're not, mm. you don't feel like you're doing something wrong because there's a tension. You say the tension is supposed to be there because like you said, the topic of this podcast, we're in the world, we're, we're not of the world. That means there is an inherent yeah. tension there already. Always. And Always. you should feel yeah. the tension. If you don't feel the tension, I think something is actually wrong. You know, I think you just share this, the, like you hit the bullseye, like, you know, one of the ways in how we can really be in this world, but not of the world. I think you just said it, and I hope my audience caught it. You said that at this point in your life, you care less about what people think of you. And I think that's really a big part of it, right? Because when I think about your your time in, in the grad school, I mean, you really did care, you know, and it's I not to say a that's lot. a bad thing. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think we should, we should care, but we shouldn't care so much that it ends up changing who we are and our beliefs and things like that. And that's that idea of the false self. And uh, sometimes because of our false self, we feel like we just can't be ourselves because if we show the real version of who we are, we, not, we may not be accepted. And so I think you just kind of hit it right there. And I think the, the, the more we struggle and the more we long for the acceptance and, and for uh, people to see us and, and like us and we want their approval, the more we'll end up, you know, kind of being of the world rather than just being in the mm. world. And I think that's it. So, Sue, if you could go back knowing what you know now, if you, you can go back knowing what you know now to grad school, would you do anything differently? Is there anything you would do differently? What would you tell that Sue Huang in, in her 20s? Um, you know, knowing what you know now in your late thirties. I mean, it was such a short time in my life. And to be honest, I'm not really sure if any of the internal angst was really, it really affected the way I lived my life. I'm trying to remember yeah. because it's such yeah. a long time ago. I just yeah. remember the internal tension. I don't particularly yeah. remember um, necessarily, like, I don't really know how I acted. I'm sure there were. But yeah. the most keen memory for me is how I was constantly struggling inside. Like I felt this, I felt like all the time, like at war, like when I was sitting in the classrooms and talking about topics and learning different things, debating things with my classmates, I always felt like this internal struggle of like what I believe and who I wanted to present myself as. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, I will say, you know, eventually right now you're right. Like I care less. But I don't want to just stop and say, my mom, my mom, who's like super conservative and always has said crazy things to me. She there was a phase in her life where she didn't like me to do it, like doing like yoga because she was like, I don't like meditation because you shouldn't be emptying your mind. You should be filling it with the spirit. I'm like, OK, can we not like it's yoga? Like I'm not meditating like it's it's just Pilates, you know, but taking that analogy. <laughs> I don't want to say I just stopped caring what people yeah. thought about me. I think simultaneously yeah. I started caring how I was aligning myself to God's will. Um, and I think mm. something it always has to be replaced. Anything, it's like Newton's law of like, okay, it's not really Newton's law, but anything that I think is emptied has to be filled with something else. Yeah. I don't think yeah. I can say, oh, I just stopped caring what other people think. Okay, so then what got replaced? I think the replacement yeah. for that was I started thinking about what God's will for me was. Um, mm -hmm. So it was that simultaneous shift of one emptying and one filling. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, I mean, not to get like super spiritual, but I was like reading the Bible um, and 
you know, there's like that part where Jesus is in his hometown and he's talking about, he has just read like the scroll and he's talking about all these things. And then the people are like, so amazed. But then as soon as he starts talking about the Gentiles, they get so mad at him, right? Like he talks about the widow and then he talks about like Naaman and they're Gentiles. And then the people are like, people were so happy until then. And then as soon as he starts talking about something that they don't want to Mm. talk about, Mm. they totally Mm. are like, we're going to kill him. Like we're going to kill him. Yeah. Um, And he says at the end of the chapter, like, I'm here to do the will of God. And I think that's That's kind of what it is. It's like, it's not just that he didn't give a crap. Like he didn't, he gave zero Fs about what people thought. It was like, when it's an opposition to doing what the will of God is, then one takes priority over the other. Like, it's not like, I just don't care what other people think. I do. I still care what other people think. I still want to be liked. But when it's an opposition to what God's will for me is, then one should take priority over the other. And I think that's Mm. what it is. It's not so much that now I'm older and I give zero Fs and I'm cranky and, you know, like I'm just going to go around yelling at everyone. Like I still, at the end of the day, care what other people think about me. Sure. Who do I care more? That's right. About. That's right. Do I care more about what people view me or how God views me? And I think that's kind of. And it's and it's so hard, right? It's so hard to to live life where you can, you know, truly operate in this world in a place where you live it, just understanding how God views you. And it's just hard, right? And I think one of the things that are a real big challenge, even in me as a pastor, is that people have expectations of me. Like there's expectations mm-hmm. that people have sure. of what a pastor should do, what a pastor sure. should be. My mother reminds me all the time, right? And <laughs> You know, like I have to hide my 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 liquor in the house because if she finds it, she will go, you know, she will go ballistic on me, right? So like I've been getting these, you know, graduation gifts. People have been buying me like bourbon and oh, whiskey God. and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, well, I gotta make sure I hide this because if Miss Fundamentalist finds out what will happen, you know, it's gonna be a, she'll like it's gonna be it? a little war. Oh, she can no, she can be upset. She'll be oh, upset. Oh, She'll oh. yell at me, and then we'll get into a fight and all that yeah, kind of stuff. That's true. Uh, so it, it can it can get it can get one of those things. But you know, ex- people just have expectations, and and I think that's the hardest part. I think the hardest part is for us to be so self aware of who we are before God that when people sort of put these expectations on us, that we won't like like yeah. I mean, it's there's nothing wrong necessarily saying you know what I would like to fulfill those expectations to some extent, but when we go. When we go to a place in our lives where we're saying, I'll do whatever it takes to fulfill those expectations because I want you to mm-hmm. like me, that's dangerous. That's that's actually very dangerous. And uh, I feel like the, the 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 healthiest place I've ever been at, and and uh, and I'm hoping I'm still there, and hoping I'm hoping that I've, I've I've gotten more healthier since then. But I remember this one time we had some people over the house, and I forget who it was. So I don't even know who, but um, you know, there I think it was one or two women uh, from our church, and they were just we were hanging out, we were talking, all of us, my Jenny and I and stuff. And you know me once it gets like nine o'clock, right? Like I start to get Shut tired, down. and yeah, but they were still at the house, and I, and and again, it was totally fine that they were in the house. So I just looked at both of them and I said, "Okay, I'm gonna go to bed. Good night." And I just went <laughs> to my room, and go? I shut the door, and I went to sleep. And I didn't know, but I just, you know I just fell asleep and I went to bed. And then like I think like they were so offended, and uh, I forget if they told Jenny. Or I forget who they told, but they told somebody they're saying, I can't believe he just went into his room. He just fell asleep. We're still guests in his house. Like, how can he just go into his room? Like, he's our pastor. And how does he just go <laughs> into his room and go to sleep? And I'm just like, 
I don't, I just, I got tired. Like I just, I need to get my rest and there's things. And, and I think like, that's like a symbol of health, you know, in some ways, uh, these aren't like first times. These are people who've come over our house a few times and I'm thinking, you know what? They know Jenny. They like Jenny. I can go to bed. You know, I can just go to bed. And Jenny doesn't mind staying up, yeah. you know, later because she's a night owl and I'm, I'm, you know, I like to get up early in the morning. And so I just kind of said good night. And so I went to bed. So I just think like that expectations, you know, there could be an up. I could just be like, well, okay, I'm just going to sit here for like three more hours and, and, and connect and stuff like that. But then I'll be so tired. I'll be worn out. And I just think it's like this idea of like knowing your limits and, and living your life, not to the expectations of other people, because when we do that, then I think we do struggle with being mm -hmm. of the world. So when, when I was just saying that when we talk about the time when you were in grad school, like you, there was an expectation, I think that, that, that was, you know, that was there and you wanted people to accept you. And as a result of that, your faith became a bit more private. Right. And I think like, mm -hmm. that's when we have to be careful that when we start to live our lives to fulfill the expectations that people have for us, then we get in trouble and we become more of the world and than just being in this world. And I think we have to be careful with that. And so, yeah, so I'm just saying that that's, that's an important aspect of it. When we begin to privatize our faith, I think that we start to get in trouble, you know, when we start to do that, when we start to feel like a sense of shame. And I felt, I mean, I worked at NBC for mm -hmm. four years and people would always ask, Hey, what did you do this weekend? Cause that was the first thing on a Monday. What did you right. do this weekend? What did you do this weekend? I'm like, Oh, I was at church. I was at church. I was at church. And after a while, I'm just like, okay, I got to like share other things. But literally <laughs> that's what I did every weekend. I was at church Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And in some ways, like I felt like a loser, you know, like that's kind of like the feeling that I kind of felt. And so like, yeah, but I just, I just, you know, I just kept saying, yeah, no, I went to church. It was good. It was good. And that kind of stuff, because that season, like church was like amazing for me. Like I mm -hmm. love being at mm -hmm. church. And so I just kind of shared it, but it was just so hard to, you know, it was so hard to, and there was a part of me where I just kind of want to lie and say, oh no, no, I was out. I went to a party and stuff like that. And it, and I am like the complete antithesis of a party. I, I don't, I am not a party animal. Yeah, you just shared that I, you went to bed at nine o'clock yes. with guests at home. So I can imagine I don't, you're not I don't a party like parties. <laughs> I don't like parties. I don't like uh, going to sporting events where there's too many people there, you know, because then it takes forever to go home, you know, things like that. So like there are certain things I don't like and I know, like Steve asked me a couple of weeks ago, he had tickets to the Knicks playoff game and he goes, do you want to go? I said, no, I don't want to go. <laughs> I'd rather watch so it at home. And enjoy myself and then go to bed, you know, just go to bed and enjoy and not, not have to like travel an hour, hour and a half to get back home. So anyway, yeah, I just think that's it. And, and for me, you know, I mean, this is the only other thing I would say is that I, I really believe that when we can get to a place where we believe with our hearts that life with Jesus is better than anything else this world has to offer, I think you can continue to be in this world and you won't be of the world. You become of the world when you start to believe there are other things better than Jesus. When you start to believe money, success, you know, whatever it might be, um, you know, is better than Jesus, then you start to get into trouble and then you start to get to be more of the world. And I think that's the dangerous part of it. So, yeah, I think that's part of, of a thing that I, I would encourage people to really get to a place where you really do believe that life with Jesus is better than anything else this world has to offer. In John chapter six, Jesus makes his very first I am statement. He says, I am the bread of life. Mm -hmm. Right. He says, I am the mm -hmm. bread of life. And what was happening was that these people that he, he fed like 5,000 people, you know, with the fish and the loaves and stuff. And now they're following him because they want more food. You know, like, wow, this guy can get us more food. Yeah. And so they're following him. And Jesus just says, listen, like, don't you know what these miracles, like, you, you don't really know the true meaning of this miracle. 
And he just says, if you come to me, you'll never hunger and thirst again. And I think that's just really important. Like our souls crave for God and it longs for it. And when we truly know that the only thing that can satisfy us in this world, right? Because anything else in this world, I think what Jesus was saying is that we'll never be satisfied. We'll get, we'll always get hungry again. We'll like, we'll want more, we'll want more or something like that. Whatever it might be, it could be success, money, mm -hmm. it could be family, whatever it might be. But at the end, Jesus was saying, you're always going to hunger and thirst. And the only thing that satisfies is Jesus. It satisfies us. Mm -hmm. And when we get hungry for Jesus, it's not because we're not satisfied with Jesus and we want more. We just want more of Jesus because we want more of him. Because we've been so satisfied. We want more of him. I think in this world, you can get things, right? You can become popular, get your 10,000 followers on Instagram or whatever That's that is. That's not much. And whatever it might get be. at least 100. Okay. 100, All right, 100,000 followers on <laughs> Imagine if we had 10,000 followers, Sua. How amazing that would be. I, I, would, I, I would love to have 10,000 followers. I think I have like 700. <laughs> so anyway. I only have like but, 400. Um, but yeah, like, like let's say like 700,000. Like, I mean, 100,000. Whatever it might be. Like we think this is going to be great. But it just once we get there, we realize it doesn't satisfy. And then we get hungry for more, maybe other things. Think about Jesus when he's saying that you'll never hunger and thirst again. It doesn't mean like you're never going to want me anymore after you have me for the first time. It's just you're going to be so satisfied that you're going to constantly come to me because of that satisfaction. And that's the most beautiful thing about it. And so anyway, yeah, but I just really do think that we have to get to that place and believe with our hearts. Like life with Jesus is better than anything else this world has to offer. And as a result of that, like I think if you can get there, you'll always be in this world, but you won't be of the world. So that's my thoughts. Yeah. But to add to that, what are you thinking the, about? okay, the flip side though is we're still. I think there's been a lot of emphasis, especially me when I was growing up in the '90s and early 2000s. There was a lot of emphasis on like we are not of this world. But I think yeah. from grad school on, for me, there started to become this emphasis on. But I am still in the world, and what does that mean for Christians to be in the world? Because there is also an a reason why we're in the world. And for so much of my early Christian life, it was like, well, this world is not my home. Everything in this world starts fading as long as we focus on Jesus. And so just go to church and have your faith and do your Christian circles and it'll be great. But I think the tension that I started feeling when I went to grad school was, but I'm still in the world. And that's gotta be, there's, that's gotta mean something, right? What does it mean if I'm still in this world? And I think that's when, that whole, my focus on like social justice and all these things started coming together is like, yeah, yeah, we're not of this world, but we're still in this world for a reason. And we're in this world to yeah. represent the kingdom that's going to come here right now. Come on, girl. Glimpses of it. That's right. Right. I mean, that's one of the reasons why that's I right. went to Metro, right? Because I was so drawn to that social justice component. I mean, who knew I was literally going to become like the director of it, but that was literally the time when I started going to Metro was when I started attending grad school. And so that was yeah, coinciding. Yeah. And I was so on fire, like, yes, we're not of this world, but I'm here to represent God's kingdom, a kingdom yeah. that's completely counter to the kingdom that we have here, but I'm here to proclaim it. And I'm here to show people glimpses of it because mm. to show them that there's something different. And the right, only right. way I think we can preach that kingdom is if we're not, in this kingdom like we can't show yeah. people that there's something different if we are exactly like the kingdom here and right, right. the more i read the bible like the more exactly. i see jesus's ministry 
Jesus was above the natural order. Like Jesus was above mm. this kingdom. Like he had authority above and beyond. So that's why the circumstances of this world, like sickness, you know, um, disability, you know, demons, none of like the freaking waves and the winds, like he did not succumb to any of those things because he had authority over those things. That's right. And I think that's right. The life that God calls us to live here, even in this world, is to not be of this world, but be partaking in that authority that Jesus has given us so that we do not have our peace, our shalom be disrupted by the things of our circumstances. And I think when we can show the world that our inner peace does not come from mm. the things that we see, the news, the shootings, anxiety my children give me from the things that happen in their, the sickness, the disabilities, the special needs, all of these things that try to take away our peace, yeah. we show them something different because yes, we are in this world and we are subject to all of those things. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we are not of here. And so those mm -hmm. things do not have the power to break our spirits, you know? And I feel like that's kind of that tension of, yeah, we're not of this world, but also we're here. We're here to show people there's a different way. Like we're show, we're here to show yeah. people that Jesus is the different way. And if we can't model that yeah. because we're also of this world, then what is the power of the gospel? Mm. You know, like, I feel right. like maybe that's what I would Absolutely. tell myself in grad school. Like there's something greater, you know, and we're here for a purpose. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's why. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, you really, you really summed it up at the end. It's like, yeah, we're in this world because we're here to, to proclaim and establish God's kingdom here. And mm -hmm. that's at the end of the day, that's our purpose. Our purpose isn't to meet the expectations of society or our own expectations, mm -hmm. Our purpose is at the end of the day to be in this world so that we can continue to live the charge that God has called us to live, which is to uh, proclaim uh, proclaim who he is and to expand his kingdom here on earth. So you said it beautifully. So, no, I mean, I think, I think Sua, listen, I, sometimes I love when you get on these rants. Yeah, I like get a little carried away. I get a little. <laughs> I love it. I can see you getting passionate. All that stuff. Happened. And it's just so beautiful to see. You like, you get into in small it. Group and all like, the time, well, and then it. I have to like reel myself back in. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, and really, you know, it didn't no, you also really have this whole thing where did you never grow up with people being like, don't worry, you're going to get raptured anyway? Just leave everything behind. Yeah. Well, like, was well, that not really like a, yes, that's very, that's a very dispensational way of thinking. Like they're just like, screw the world. Like, you know, don't worry. Yeah. Like, when the last dispensation and Jesus is going to come and rapture us. But that's why I was so drawn to, I think, about. Metro, because it was yeah. the first time that I have, yeah. had ever heard like justice happening in this world as a core part of Jesus is like, call to us like i had never before yeah. heard that and when in grad yeah. school all we were talking about was social justice right that's like social work that's literally what we do and there was no way mm. for me to join this passion that god had given me with like something you know within a christian context and i think that's right. why when i went to metro i was like this is it like i was so drawn to like the church you know and yeah 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 it was awesome all right yeah. Well, right on, Sua. Well, listen, if you guys have any thoughts, any comments, any questions, we'd love to hear from you. You could email us, you know, Sua or Peter at weekpastor.org, or you can just comment on our social media posts. We would love, love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll join us again next week. Take care. Bye.